This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik, a progress company. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is TJ Vantol. Hey, Ed. And today we'll be talking about NativeScript, what's inside the black box. TJ is a developer advocate on the DevRel team with Telerik. Uh, and TJ, you work primarily with the NativeScript team and the engineers uh, to discuss what's going on with NativeScript and bring NativeScript to the masses. Yep, that's more or less right. I've been with Telerik for a bit over two years, and I've involved, been involved with a few different Telerik products. So Kenda UI, the Telerik platform, and I've been working with the NativeScript team for basically the greater part of this year. And NativeScript is a way of developing native applications using uh, JavaScript as the, the primary development language, is it correct? Yep, yeah. I like to think of it basically as a way that you can build iOS and Android apps and Windows Phone, Windows Universal apps, um, probably sometime later this year, early next year. And it's a way of doing it, as you said, with JavaScript, but also some other technologies that developers, and particularly web developers, um, the, some languages and technology skill sets that these people may already have. So JavaScript, uh, CSS, uh, optionally TypeScript, there is a lightweight XML language that's that's very XAML-like for building your actual UIs, uh, NPM for package management. And even when it comes over to the native side, you can use things like CocoaPods for existing iOS frameworks, um, existing iOS.framework files, uh, Java or Android frameworks, so things like JARs. So we try to bring in the most amount of skills that people may already have and allow people to leverage as many existing tools as you can, all while building iOS and Android apps that a lot of people are looking to do today. So what's nice about this is we're building actual native applications from this product. We're not putting this in a web view like, uh, say, Apache Cordova or something like that. Yep, yeah. So the, the real single biggest differentiator between NativeScript um, and something like Cordova and some, some of these other technologies out there is that you are building a truly native app. And that means that you have a truly native user interface, which means the UI controls are going to be the same thing that you would have available in just a, an iOS app that you built in Xcode or an Android app that you built in Visual Studio. And as such, you're basically going to have native-like performance because you're using those native controls. Your app is going to not only look like a native app, but also really perform like a native app as well. So I'm glad to have you on the show because I wanted to geek out to what kind of lies beneath the covers on NativeScript. Because we're talking about taking JavaScript and turning it into an iOS application, which is generally written in something like Swift or Xcode. And um, we have Android that's you know typically Java and XML. So what what happens that turns this JavaScript into a native application. Yep, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this as well because it's pretty cool um, and the architecture can get pretty fun. And so I think the first thing to know about how basically how the magic works or how this actually comes together 
is that NativeScript is actually packaging up a JavaScript virtual machine to actually run your code. Now, if you're not familiar with what a JavaScript virtual machine is, it's basically just a piece of software that runs JavaScript. So Chrome has one, IE has one, Edge has one. All the browsers have a JavaScript VM whose task is basically to take JavaScript code and run it, do what it needs to do. So the two that NativeScript uses as part of its sort of development cycle or workflow are JavaScript Core, which is the same JavaScript VM that appears in Safari on Macs, and that's used on iOS and NativeScript, and V8, which is used in Google Chrome. It is also used by the Node.js project as well. V8 ends up getting used in a number of different things. So really, NativeScript is reusing that JavaScript functionality, but just repurposing it to use it as part of a native app. Now, what NativeScript actually does with this, um, knowing that is only half the battle, because then you have to tackle, well, how does NativeScript actually take something that runs JavaScript and make that actually interact and do sort of native-y iOS and Android things? And that's where things get a little more complex. The sort of metaphor I like to use to explain this is you can think of how a browser actually uses a JavaScript VM. So take Chrome and V8 as an example, because I think it's one that people may be more familiar with. So if you think of how a browser uses a VM, well, a JavaScript VM by itself, a VM is typically in implemented as just a whole bunch of C++ code. And the JavaScript VM knows JavaScripty things, so things that are literally in the ECMAScript specification. So it knows what a var statement is and what to do with it. It knows what a for loop is and how to handle it, a while loop, etc. What a JavaScript VM doesn't know is how to do browsery things. So it doesn't have any idea what a window object is, or a document object, or what an input is, a text area, things like that. So the browser, and Chrome in our example here, has to have some mechanism to tell the JavaScript VM, hey, this is what a window is, and here are its properties. And here are the actions I'd like to take when somebody does something with these. So window dot dot resize. When the, when the browser resizes the window, I need to perform some actions. And the browser has to have some way of implementing that or sort of some way of communicating with this JavaScript VM back and forth. Now, Node.js does something similar using the same V8 JavaScript engine, and it needs to implement things that Node.js needs to run, things like the require method, which isn't a part of JavaScript proper, but Node actually injects that behavior for its own purposes. Node injects a number of other global things and a number of other things to make things happen as well. Well, NativeScript does something similar. Um, just uh, the difference is NativeScript injects mobile things, so iOS and Android things. Now, because these JavaScript VMs are used by browsers and are used all over the place, they tend to have a bunch of APIs to let you configure how these variables work, um, what sort of actions you can take when things happen, things like callbacks, if you're familiar with sort of how JavaScript works. So they're very configurable to sort of fit these different use cases and these different ways in which they're used. Um, again, they're just written, they're just a bunch of C++ code. They have a whole bunch of public APIs. If you do some Googling, you can find them. They're extremely configurable. Um, so does that make sense so far, Eddie? Yeah. Yeah. So we we have this in um, something like this in the .NET framework. It's called the common language runtime. 
And then I believe Java as well has a similar, you know, type of intermediate layer uh, that things, you know, virtual layer that things run through. Yeah, like, yeah, I did some, I did some time as a Java, Java developer and there's, there's sort of like the uh, the JDK, or I'm, I might be thinking of the incorrect term, but you're right. There's something JRE. Yeah, JRE. Oh man, I've been out of the Java world too too long. Which Java runtime environment? Yeah, yeah. I've been out of Java too long, which may or may not be a good thing. But uh, but yes, there's some sort of common runtime language that exists in JavaScript as well. So the next the the next sort of fun part is okay. So native script. Has this JavaScript VM, and it can it like how does it actually do things? Um, well, what NativeScript does is it actually injects into the JavaScript VM uh, really the entirety of Android and iOS. So depending on whether you are running on an, or building an Android app or an iOS app, it'll inject basically every Android and iOS API into that respective VM. So what that means is that on a NativeScript Android app, you can in JavaScript code, type new java.io.uppercase file, and NativeScript will actually take that line of code and allocate a Java file object and return it to you so that you can do something to, with it in JavaScript code. So the next step sort of in complexity of how that works um, is something that we in NativeScript call metadata. Or, and we have these, these uh, these processes that we call metadata metadata generators, and if you go to GitHub, um, everything with NativeScript, by the way, is is open source. So you can go to GitHub.com/slash/NativeScript if you really want to geek out and sort of look into how all these things work. But we have metadata generators both for iOS and Android, and what they do is basically they use these APIs. In Java, they're called reflection APIs. I'm not sure what they're called in iOS, and I know C# -sharp has something similar to um, that concept as well. But basically, they say um, just use these these APIs to sort of build up a representation of everything Android and iOS. Like, what all what are all the namespaces available in, in Java? What are all the classes available? What properties? What public properties can I set on these things? Um, Etc. So that you can build up uh, basically this this complete mapping of the entire ecosystem. So what these these native script repos do is they do that. They build up this representation, um, and it's actually we we came up with the mechanism to sort of inject that into the JavaScript VM as bytecode, so that it's essentially as efficient as it could possibly be, and feed those things into the JavaScript VM. So that the Java becomes a global variable in a NativeScript Android app, and Android becomes a uh, global variable in a NativeScript Android app as well. So that when you're actually in your NativeScript app at runtime, you can do things like call java.io.file, and things will work. Now, the other tricky part of this is sort of even if you can inject these APIs into the JavaScript VM, so Basically, Java gets injected into V8 in the same way that the browser injects window into V8. Uh, the next portion of it is actually reacting to changes. Like, okay, so a line of code actually runs that instantiates a java.io.file. What do you do there? And the answer is, again, in those C++ APIs that the JavaScript VMs have that we talked about earlier. So if you type new java.io.file, Essentially, JavaScript Core and V8 both have uh, essentially callbacks 
for that situation. They'll say, oh, a constructor was called, uh, native script or whatever it is that is, is sort of invoking this, what would you like to do about that? So what native script will do is say, oh, java.io.file, let me consult that metadata that got injected into this app earlier and see what I need to do. And in this case, it'll say, oh, I need to actually go inject or sort of instantiate a Java file object and return it to this person. Now, the one sort of tricky aspect of this, especially on Java, is that the native script runtime is written uh, partially in C++ to actually be able to communicate with a JavaScript VM. And there is one additional step to sort of get over to Java code. So your, your C++ code can actually talk to JavaScript code. Um, there's this thing called the JNI, Java Native Interface, that's available. It's, it's an Android-provided tool that basically lets you do just that, just basically go back and forth between the C and Java layers so that you can make that communication. And that's what NativeScript is actually going to use to sort of do that instantiation. Now, so before we scare too many people <laughs> off <laughs> talking about metaprogramming and uh, uh, basically building expression trees, um, these things are are not something that the native script user has to know. These are things that makes native script work. So we we're on a we're native script developers going to be on an abstraction above all of this. Yes, um, and I think it's worth saying too that. Like, I can only talk about these things at a high level. I think especially because of the crazy number of ecosystems that are sort of involved in this. I mean, we're talking about um, Android, iOS, uh, so these C++ codes that these JavaScript VMs are written in. And at the NativeScript team, the NativeScript team is actually broken into five separate teams. And there are dedicated iOS and Android engineers that both sort of handle these respected stacks just because of the complexity involved. I personally can only really speak of this at a high level. Like I'm basically conveying the depth of understanding that I personally have because I can't go too much deeper than that just because there's there's a lot involved to sort of make this happen. But from a user's perspective, in terms of when you're using NativeScript, you don't really have to know that any of this takes place. I mean, your abstraction layer is you're dealing with JavaScript code and you just type new java.io.file and you get a file back, right? You, yes. don't, you don't have to know that under the hood that code, is, that code is being sent to a JavaScript VM, which is then being sent to NativeScript code that actually interprets that and uses some bridge to get at Java code. You don't need to know any of that. You're just dealing in JavaScript and you go on your way. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we were being clear about that before we get too much further uh just want to make sure people's you know minds are in the right place uh, you're not going to have to learn all of these things to use native script but we we kind of wanted to dive deep into what goes on behind the scenes and what kind of gears are turning yeah. to make these things happen and the one extra thing i would mention too is that your abstraction layer even though i'm saying new new java.io.file you actually wouldn't even have to type that because NativeScript then sort of, in addition to these runtimes that actually make it just architecturally possible to write your app with JavaScript, NativeScript also has a series of modules. They're called the NativeScript core modules that basically abstract away the common things that you need to do in mobile apps. So one of those things would be creating files. 
into APIs, JavaScript APIs that keep you from having to know the platform specific stuff that you probably do not care to learn in any way, shape, or form. So if you needed to instantiate a file in NativeScript, you would just require the file module and just say new file. So just a nice clean Java API, or a nice clean JavaScript API, that is. Now under the hood, NativeScript is implementing those APIs using that sort of JavaScript uh, methodology. So if you looked in the NativeScript source code, you'd find some file system.js or .android.js they would have the new java.io.file syntax, but you as a user would just type new file in JavaScript and get your file and not really need to know that any of that is going on under the hood. I mean, unless you wanted to. And we're nerds, so we want to. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why we, we're listening to the show. <laughs> so uh, All this stuff is, is very interesting because we're taking a language that's not normally used for these type of things and and turning it into an application that runs right on the hardware of these devices. And, and another thing we, we haven't even really gotten into yet, you said there were, you know, all of these people on the team that have these uh, just immense knowledges of different parts of these different stacks. Uh, we haven't gotten into the user interface part of this even. No, we haven't. Um... So the next part of this would be, so we had the simple example, just new java.io.file, but obviously the allocating a file is not the only thing you need to do to build a mobile app. There's, there's a whole lot more to it and a whole lot more to NativeScript. But the interface, uh, the, the way that user interfaces are actually implemented in NativeScript sort of builds upon the same functionality. These, these things all tend to dog food each other. So these native platforms all have APIs for building things like buttons or layouts or any of the other number of things that you need to do to build an interface. And so what NativeScript does to implement UI elements is they actually, or the, the source code for NativeScript, you'll, you'll see that it just sort of instantiates these UI components using the exact same methodology. So take a button, for instance. Now, you as a user, um, if you want to create a button in a NativeScript app, you would create a new XML file. UIs in NativeScript are defined in XML files. It's, it's very XAML-like if you've used XAML before. You'd go into an XML file, you'd type open bracket, button, close bracket, and you would have a button on the screen. Very boring, but that's the, sort of the simplest sort of hello world of NativeScript from a UI perspective. Now, under the hood, that XML element, that simple button you typed, is actually being implemented using that same JavaScript syntax that we talked about before for actually creating a new file. So if you looked in the NativeScript core modules, there'd be a UI folder. You'd find a button.android.js and a button.ios.js. And each would contain the sort of the native APIs needed to make that button happen. So in the Android file, you'd find a, some sort of extension of android.widget.button, which is the Android's native button component. You'd find APIs for doing things like setting the text of that button, setting um, various CSS properties, which we can go into in a minute, um, setting any of the other number of things, the, the button-y things that you would need to do in your app. <laughs> and then you would find the same sort of thing um, available in iOS as well. So the button 
the button component that iOS uses is just called a UI button. Uh, but iOS has similar mechanisms. I mean, regardless of which platform, you're going to want to do things like set the text of a button, set what happens when you click the button, um, all of these things. And NativeScript is abstracting that behind an API that you don't have to worry necessarily about what platform that your button is running on. Uh, I mean, the API in this case is in XML. It is just a button. But it sort of dog foods off these same principles where you have this JavaScript file that is actually implementing the thing that is sort of touching or invoking those native APIs um, using that same runtime that we've talked about earlier. Now, you mentioned CSS. So this is a very foreign thing to native iOS and Android development. So how, how does native, or sorry, how does CSS become part of this application development? Yep. So we can return sort of to our simple example. So let's say you've started a simple, a simple native script app. And NativeScript is primarily built, when you're building a native script app, you're writing XML for your UI, you're writing JavaScript for your application logic, and you're writing CSS. So let's say you had uh, mypage.xml. That contains a simple button. That's the entirety of your app at the moment. You could also say then create a mypage.css file. Um, you could write some CSS. You would start by selecting the button. So you would just type button. You would type an open and curly, uh, open curly, close curly. That's just the syntax that CSS used. And then you could define a number of rules to actually style that button. So as a simple example, you could say background-color, colon red in your CSS file. And then that would then change that UI button on iOS to have a background color of red and that Android.widget.button button on Android to have a background color of red as well. So pretty cool. Uh, now, the, since we're sort of the theme of the show is actually to dive in, um, mm -hmm. The way that works is what NativeScript's going to do is it's going to, first of all, look for the existence of that CSS file to, to sort of see, see whether that file exists or not, and then parse it. Um, NativeScript actually uses, in sort of the, the uh, sort of trying to use sort of existing things, we, we use existing CSS parsers, so the same type CSS parsers that um, frameworks on the web would use to sort of um, get out from from that source code that you wrote, get out some sort of tree of, of data that we can actually use from those to sort of apply to apply these CSS rules to the actual controls and find that, oh, we have the user is trying to take a button and trying to change its background color to red. Now, of course, as you said earlier, iOS has no concept of CSS, right? Like just knowing in, in NativeScript code, just knowing that the user wants to change this background color to red, like you can't directly feed that CSS selector to iOS because it would have no idea what to do with it. And the same thing on Android as well. So NativeScript has to have code to sort of act as a translation layer. It has to say, oh, this person is trying to set the background color of this button. Um, well, that means on iOS that UI views have a background color property. So I can't feed iOS CSS, but I can find the appropriate controls that match this CSS selector, and I can set their background color property to a UI color, a UI color that matches the value of the CSS rule that was applied to me, and sort of take the same approach on Android as well. And I don't remember the Android-specific syntax, but it, the, the idea is the same, to basically translate the CSS rules 
from CSS into a format and actual properties that the actual native platform, in this, in this case iOS and Android, can understand. Yeah, to get a little more, uh, to be a little more impressed by what this is doing, you can actually write CSS selectors for many different ways of selecting things. So you can you can still use like the the hash symbol and select something by ID, and at the same time you can actually select things by their their actual control type. Yep, you can select things by um, element name, so the, that would be the button example. The ID, which you mentioned, you can also select things by class names. So you can apply class names to UI components exactly as you would on the web, um, except these are truly native controls and that you can then apply properties to. Now, there is, there is an implication of this. The, the fact that there needs to be this translation means that not every property that you're used to applying on the web is going to work in a native script context. Now, there's there's two reasons for that. There are some properties that just it's impossible to make work in an Android and iOS ecosystem. Um, just remembering that iOS and Android use completely different layout mechanisms than what is used on the web. And in some cases, uh, float being one example that comes to mind, there's really no equivalent of floating in an iOS and Android ecosystem. So if we tried to implement that, it would both be prohibitively difficult just from an implementation perspective. Um, and even if we did get it to work, it would likely have large performance repercussions. I know we've, we've said no to certain CSS properties before just because we could not um, implement it really in a way that didn't degrade performance. So the other big ones would then be layouts as well. So if you're used to using things like um, absolute positioning on the web or different performance constructs, those things aren't available to use from NativeScript's CSS abstraction. Instead, there's different, there's actually XML layout elements that you use to lay out sort of your, your elements or your UI components on the screen. This is good information if you're you're looking into using native script too because knowing what limitations are there helps you build better applications so knowing that these things exist but there's you know certain things that uh, don't quite translate well helps you plan for the road ahead yeah and the sort of common things in css that you'd want to do like if you think about what would be easy to translate it's going to be things like height, width, color, background color, um, different font families. Like the, the common things that you're going to want to do are, are, are there, and they're going to save you a lot of time over, like if you've ever tried to do these things in a native app, you would know just how much of a pain it is to do. Like in Xcode, if you want to change just simple things like the color, you're, you're in Xcode's GUI and you're, you're playing around with things, and um, it, it's just a complete nightmare. And sort of just the ease of... Getting being able to apply those things via CSS, something that you you probably at least have some familiarity with if you've ever dealt with the web, is powerful. Um, and the other thing to remember too is that if you run into one of those limitations, like let's say I actually personally ran into this the other day, I wanted to do strikeout text, which on the web is um, I, I believe it's text text decoration strike through or strike out or something like that. I can, yeah, I can never remember the exact the exact words. Um, but that's something that NativeScript doesn't support today. So I actually 
went ahead and created a GitHub issue to request that actually be implemented. But in the meantime, NativeScript always has that option because you have all of Android and iOS there. You can always do like a quick Google search of saying, well, how do I do strikeout text on iOS? And you'll find some Stack Overflow post that'll sort of show you how to do it in native code. And you can do that in a NativeScript app. That's one of the real advantages of having all of iOS and all of Android they, um, sort of implemented there is that you can always go off the rails in NativeScript, or you can always go native, I guess might be a better way of saying <laughs> it, is that when you want to do something that NativeScript doesn't have an abstracted API for, you have the iOS and Android ones there. So even though it might be stepping out of your comfort zone some, um, you can still get the job done if you need to, if you run into one of those scenarios where you absolutely need some feature that NativeScript hasn't implemented yet. Yeah, I, going back to CSS real quick, I think one of the strong points of actually having CSS in something like this is, you know, CSS gets kind of a bad reputation online uh, for web usage. You know, you see, I'm sure most people are familiar with like the Family Guy meme where he's <laughs> like trying to adjust the blinds and they just like kind of engulf him. And and then there's the mug where it says CSS is awesome and it's kind of like falling out of yep. the, the box. <laughs> In this instance, CSS is being used in its strong suit, and those things that people knock it for on the web are generally because of layout issues, which we're, we're not really using the CSS for in this instance. Yep, correct. So we're, we're getting the best of CSS, <laughs> and the, the things that we were calling limitations are actually stuff we probably don't want to use anyway because it's kind of flaky on the web. Yeah, and as someone like, I mean... I've been doing web stuff for quite some time and I, I always find like, I find it sort of funny that the sort of backlash against CSS, like you said, the, the sort of memes and how it, it, it's become the butt of a lot of jokes <laughs> and having worked in a few different sort of other ecosystems, I, it CSS to me is far more elegant than any alternative I've ever used for styling any sort of software. <laughs> like I've, I've yet to, like, I've done some stuff in Flash before, and I've built sort of Java-based UIs. And the way of styling those things is usually, like, it makes CSS look absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> I, I've yet to come across an alternative mechanism that sort of makes styling applications easier. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that NativeScript lets you do sort of the, the basic styling for your app um, using it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of happy not to see floats there, though. <laughs> yeah, yes. So when we do all of these things, are there any drawbacks of having this, you know, intermediate, you know, virtual environment? Yeah, so I think the big question that peop that comes up all the time is performance. It's constantly the thing that, that people want to know. Now, it's performance is always a tricky question to answer, mostly because it always depends on what you're doing. If you're building a, a simple line of business app, it's going to be a lot different than if you're looking to build the next great like virtual reality 3D gaming thing that's pushing the limits of the device. But we can sort of give some general guidelines. Now, we talked about earlier sort of how NativeScript takes this, this JavaScript runtime and it sort of has to do this communication or or sort of what we call marshalling from your JavaScript code into the native stack. And there is some cost to doing that. Like that's that's not necessarily a free um, trans or translation that's occurring there. 
but it is fairly fast. Um, it is something that we we have performance tests that we run internally to sort of benchmark it to make sure that the, the performance of that isn't getting crazy. Now, what we know is that instantiating these native objects from JavaScript, there is some cost to going back and forth across the bridge, um, but that you have to sort of instantiate a large number of these things before the performance becomes becomes a real issue. Um, so what that means is that for the vast majority of applications, so we're talking line of business apps or, or simple apps where you're just sort of driving an application off, say some sort of, you have some sort of RESTful API in that you're using it to drive an app. It is highly unlikely that you will be able to tell the difference between a native script app and a truly native one, one that you had written in native code. Um, we've, we've, I've yet to see an example of anyone building something where I saw some some real noticeable performance delay in native script. It probably won't be there. Um, however, if you are writing something that is really going to push the limits of the device, um, and I gave some examples earlier, some sort of higher-end games or things that are really doing some, some sort of intensive processing of some sorts, like um, maybe you're doing some really hardcore video manipulation or something like that. Um, then in that case, that's something you'd probably want to to benchmark and see how NativeScript performs under those scenarios. Uh, but NativeScript, I think, was really driven for ease of use for the common apps that people tend to build. And those those are things like um, I, my company has an app, it has an existing API, and they want to be on iOS and Android. Um, those things I think you'll find are not only extremely easy to build with NativeScript, but that you really won't find, in my opinion, unless you're doing something really out of the ordinary, you really won't find much of a performance impact of sort of having this bridge from JavaScript to native code. So one thing we haven't touched on here, and a feature that I really love about working in native script is live sync. Yes. Would you be able to give us a little insight on live sync, what it is and how that operates? No, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this because I forgot to talk about this earlier. So um, another question we get is sort of why, why would you build an application architecture this self? I mean, some of the benefit is obvious, like especially if you're coming from a web development perspective, being able to write in JavaScript rather than, say, Swift Objective-C, um, Java is certainly, is certainly uh, one benefit. But the other big one is that because JavaScript is an interpreted language, you can do some really cool things with it. Um, so NativeScript, the JavaScript code that you write in a NativeScript app, it is interpreted at runtime. So because of that architecture we talked about earlier, your JavaScript code isn't being transferred into Objective-C or Swift code. There's no transpilation happening or compilation or any sort of craziness. The JavaScript VM, so JavaScript, JavaScript Core V8, is actually reading and running your code um, at runtime. And that makes a lot of cool things possible. And one of those is Live Sync, which you mentioned. Now, what Live Sync does is the, the name sort of implies this, is basically reloads your app on the fly. So what that means is that when you're actually developing a, a NativeScript application, so you would do your build. The, the first time you run a, a NativeScript app, you do have to do a full build. You have to build in a .APA executable for iOS, a .APK executable for Android. You'll deploy that to either an Android emulator, uh, iOS simulator, or an actual physical device. But from that point, what you can do is once you have the app running, there's no reason you can't sort of hot reload that code on your app. Because really, if you think about it, 
all you have to do is say replace the existing JavaScript XML or CSS file with the new version and just tell NativeScript to sort of reevaluate that file, use basically JavaScript's eval function, and you can sort of really instantly or instantly test changes that you've made to that file. So, so if you're sorry to interrupt, but if if you're a web developer and you're listening, this is live reload for native application development. Yep, it basically means it if you change a JavaScript, XML or CSS file in NativeScript, the refresh cycle during development just feels a lot like what you do when you're developing for a browser. The obvious difference is that you're developing for a native app and the difference between say something like a PhoneGap development cycle or Cordova development cycle is that you're not doing this with code that's running in a browser. There's no browser involved with NativeScript. You're doing this with completely native UI components. And so it, it's really kind of a best of both worlds scenario because you get the benefits of native, the, the, the performance, the, the UI components, the, the native UI, those things that you like, uh, but that you also get sort of the best things from the web. You get to use JavaScript, you get to use CSS, and you also get this this fast development cycle that people love from the web that a lot of the native platforms, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a pain to, to build a native iOS app, a native Android app, just because especially once you get into large applications, you have to go through a build cycle um, every time you change your app, and that can get quite annoying. Yeah, it's, every time I see Live Sync, it just impresses the hell out of me. That's one of my absolute favorite features of this whole platform yep so what is on the horizon for native script now that we kind of know what it is kind of know what's inside of it although it's a huge stack of many things that we'd have to be an absolute genius to understand all of <laughs> what what's coming up next what what are our uh, engineers looking into what's on a roadmap yeah, so one thing that we haven't talked about much is TypeScript support in NativeScript. Um, right now, NativeScript, uh, I haven't mentioned this before, but the NativeScript, both the command line interface and the, the NativeScript core module, so the actual implementations of things like all those UI components we talked about earlier, but those things are all, de are all developed. The NativeScript team writes those all in TypeScript. So we're a few huge fans of TypeScript here, um, and we also put publish the TypeScript, is it, I don't remember if it's declaration or definition files, but basically the files that give you the sort of syntax checking that you need to develop your own native script apps in TypeScript. So what that means is that you could take those files and sort of have all the definitions, have all the, the sort of static um, type compiling that you may be used to in a language like C Sharp, like Java, or like a lot of the, the native languages out there. And why that's particularly cool for NativeScript is that we also publish the TypeScript declaration files for our iOS and Android implementations that we inject into the JavaScript VM. So if you use those files, it means that you can go into your editor and type java.io.file, or more specifically, you type java.io, type a dot, and have your editor, be it Visual Studio, be it Visual Studio Code, Sublime Text, Microsoft has a lot of good implementations of TypeScript now, um, and get basically the autocomplete, autosuggest, uh, whatever you want to call it, for that for that code, which is really pretty cool. It's, and it, I think it's incredibly valuable in 
NativeScript apps more so than a lot of web apps, just because of the breadth of APIs that are sort of available. Um, it really gives you the same sort of development feel as if you were working in Xcode or Android Studio. I mean, say what you will about Xcode and iOS, but Xcode does make a really good editor. It's, it's sort of a really nice experience. It feels like it has some of the best of what Visual Studio offers. And by using TypeScript with NativeScript, you get a lot of those benefits in NativeScript apps. So the reason I'm talking about this for sort of what's on the horizon is we're looking to really directly integrate TypeScript within the NativeScript CLI. If you want to use TypeScript with NativeScript today, you could do so in an editor that directly supports TypeScript, like Visual Studio, something that'll directly compile your TypeScript to JavaScript code. But we want to bring those same advantages to people using TypeScript really anywhere. So we want that translation to be built directly into the CLI. So that's one of the things that we're looking on for the next release. The other thing we want to bring translation support for is Babel and for the people that want to use ES6 code and sort of the, the latest and greatest upcoming features from JavaScript directly in NativeScript apps. We want to bring that sort of translation support into NativeScript as well. So that's one other thing that's on the horizon. I think the, the one other big feature that I'll also mention is the support that we have upcoming for Angular 2. So one of the questions we get at NativeScript is, can I use, say, um, library X within NativeScript? Because there's, there's a million JavaScript frameworks out there. And the answer is typically, the, the, is typically yes. You can use most JavaScript modules. You can use most modules you get off NPM. We have integrated NPM support to NativeScript. But one thing you cannot use is any JavaScript module or any JavaScript framework that is tied to the DOM, that is tied to the browser, because there is no DOM, there is no browser in NativeScript, so those modules, those frameworks are just not going to work. And Angular 1 is or is was one of those frameworks because it is explicitly tied to the DOM. It, when you make changes to your app, it tries to apply things to things like um, divs and spans and things that just don't exist in NativeScript. So Angular 1 is a framework that we just couldn't use. There's, there's other web frameworks that sort of fit that same bill that just don't work in a native construct. But Angular 2, one of the big pushes they had at Google was to abstract Angular away from the DOM so that Angular could be used in contexts outside of that, that use case. And one of those happens to be NativeScript. So we've been working with them to sort of uh, both A, make sure that that approach is, is actually working, that they're actually providing a way for these other frameworks that aren't tied to the DOM to tie into it. And also to bring sort of add to the skill reuse that we offer in NativeScript. So we've talked sort of throughout the show how you can take skills that you may already have with JavaScript, CSS, um, you know, NPM, all these other things. But we thought, well, why not extend that um, also to Angular as well? So the vision being that you'd be able to write Angular 2 components that you'd be able to reuse sort of with sort of minimal impact, reuse to write both your web apps and also your native mobile apps as well. So that's something that is sort of actively going on. We have implementations that you can look at now. If you go to github.com slash nativescript, if you do a search for Angular, you'll find early versions of our plugin. If you're really brave or you really want to check it out, <laughs> um, you can go in. I mean, it, it is functioning, but it, it's alpha code. So you, you're going to get alpha code. You're going to get code that, that may work, but will likely um, bring you pain and sorrow if you try to do too much with. Um, but what we're working on is basically um, both 
both improving the functionality that's offered there, improving the docs, stabilizing that, get that as something that's ready for people to use and something that we'll recommend that people use for uh, native script development. Yeah, that'll be nice to have uh, implemented uh, where you can actually, like you said, share code on the web and in your application. But uh, besides sharing code, it, it also gives you the ability to learn one domain-specific language. So you don't have to go relearn you know, something to develop native and then do a different type of development and learn a different set of APIs to develop for the web. Yeah, that's if you look at one thing today, we didn't talk about NativeScript's data binding implementation much, but NativeScript basically provides a XAML-like two-way data binding between native controls and JavaScript code. Um, but that is one thing. Those APIs are things, um, it, it's somewhat XAML-like, but there's it's it's not quite like it. And those are APIs that you will have to learn when you when you get into NativeScript. So um, with what Angular 2 gives us is sort of a way to lower that barrier, like you said. There'd be mm -hmm. one other thing that you could reuse that you wouldn't have to learn that's NativeScript specific. And speaking of, of UIs, we have uh, a UI suite on the horizon as well. Um, you know, Telerik, we're known for having beautiful UIs, and, and that's one of our main str strengths in the market, so to speak. Yep, and so we, we I don't think we've also mentioned, but NativeScript, um, if you use NativeScript through the CLI, it is completely free. You can use it, you can build apps, you can put apps in the App Store, and you, you don't have to give us anything. And the NativeScript core modules, which are out on NPM, they'll get pre-installed whenever you create a new NativeScript app. Those are also free, and you'll find dozens of UI modules to do all sorts of things in there. So what UI for NativeScript is, is really our premium controls. And we're, we're talking not simple things like, like buttons in here, but we're talking things like charts and um, more robust list views and grids and forms and all of these more powerful things that you might need to build bigger applications, especially if you're, you're building something for a company or you're building something at a larger scale. And we're calling that UI for, for NativeScript. And we have a preview release of that out now. You can, if you just Google search for UI for NativeScript, you can find it and you can try it out. It's, it's currently a trial version, so you can, you can download it. You can let us know what, what you think. Um, eventually, and the reason that I, this is on the roadmap is eventually we'll be offering it as sort of a dedicated project or dedicated product that you can go and get. So where do we find out more about NativeScript? Um, if we want to learn more, get involved, uh, check it out open source? Yep. Yeah. So there are a couple different ways. NativeScript is on GitHub. So if you go to github.com slash NativeScript, I've mentioned that a few times, but I'll, I'll mention it one more time. You can find all the repos involved with NativeScript. NativeScript is open source, which means you're welcome to contribute to NativeScript directly if, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, the you could even contribute the docs around NativeScript. So you could follow along at, with NativeScript as it's being developed. You can offer tweaks to the docs. Um, that's one way if you if you want to get involved with the product directly. The best place to keep track of sort of NativeScript news and the latest going-ons in the NativeScript world is basically on Twitter. If you search for the at NativeScript handle on Twitter, twitter.com slash NativeScript, follow, follow us. That's where you'll get sort of news as it happens, um, announcements and such. If you're looking to learn NativeScript, if you're sort of interested and want to get started, the place I'd recommend for that is our new Getting Started Guide. And if you want to find that, 
go to nativescript.org. There'll be a big green getting started button or get started button. You can't miss it. If you click that button, you'll get a guide that will take you probably some time, something around an hour to complete, but it should give you a pretty good idea of how to build NativeScript apps, what's in NativeScript, um, and sort of how to use that to, to build your next project that you need. And I, I will admit, I've done the uh, getting started guide myself, and I'll, I try not to say this with any bias. It's it's very well done, um, and uh, TJU and Jen Looper, I think, worked on that and did a great job. I think people enjoy uh, grabbing that and actually being able to build an app in you know, a short period of time with NativeScript. Cool, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, uh, hopefully they will. And. As anything with NativeScript, the, the guide itself is also open source. It's on the NativeScript docs repo. So you're welcome to let us know, if, um, give us feedback on it, because we're constantly looking to make these things better. Yeah, where can we find you, TJ? I am TJ Vantol on most social networks. So I am at TJ Vantol on Twitter. I'm TJ Vantol on GitHub as well. And you can also find our blogs and things at developer.telerik.com and blogs.telerik.com. TJ, I appreciate you doing the show. Uh, some very cool stuff that uh, you guys are working on with the NativeScript team. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. 